Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity to dig into your word. We thank you for your promise of salvation. Uh, Lord, all we have to do is receive that free gift that you've given us. Father, I thank you for uh, those that made that decision in the first service. I pray something can be said today that uh, despite of me, uh, Lord, take me out of the way. Uh, I pray that you can just make your word clear, uh, make my um, preaching clear so that someone might be uh, motivated and, and convicted by your Holy Spirit to accept you today as their Lord and Savior. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. So Alan is uh, taking a well-deserved vacation. So I'm here today. So I'm excited to be here today to dig into the word and to talk about the topic of salvation. So if you have your Bibles, be turning to John three, uh, the book of John, verse th- or chapter three, starting at verse one. But before we do that, I got a quick question. Uh, my name is Lance. I'm your friend. I'm not trying to trip you up. You know, you may not be a Christian yet. You may not know if heaven is real yet. But if heaven is real, if heaven exists, who wants to go to heaven when they die? By a show of hands. Who wants to go to heaven when they die? All right. I think that was everybody. I'm just making sure I was in the right place. Not up here wasting my time because if you don't want to go to heaven, then I can I can bounce. Someone once said that you need to preach the gospel. Preach salvation to those that are saved and they won't be offended. And those that are lost just might get saved. I said someone said because I don't know where that quote came from. I try to look it up. Maybe it's something I made up. But that's what I'm going to attempt to do today is just preach the gospel, preach salvation. So with your thoughts and your prayers, I'm going to try to just break it down to that simplest form, because sometimes I think as Christians. We can forget or take for granted the fact that the lost world really may not know all of our lingo. Many of us have been saved for a long time and praise God for that. But God has impressed upon me today that we need to be more aware of the folks that we're trying to reach. We need to be aware that they may not know all of our terminology. They may get a little confused or reluctant to attend church because they're not used to all the things that go into creating the church experience. And all those things have their place. Don't get me wrong. But we need to be aware of those that we're trying to reach so that we can reach them more effectively. There's so much information that we debate, that we de- that we ponder, that we philosophize on. Alonzo, is philosophize a word? Did I make that up? I think I just made up a word. But we philosophize on that we can easily gloss over the fact that there are some folks that don't have a clue as to what we're talking about. When we use terms like salvation, born again, spiritual maturity, sanctification, justification, just to name a few, it could be confusing to some people. So it's my goal today to break it down to the simplest form to try to get to the heart of our faith to give everyone a basic understanding of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be saved, what it means to be born again. One, because I'm not as smart as Alan, and oftentimes I need it broken down for myself. And two, because I can't think of a more important topic to preach on than your eternal salvation. Because brothers and sisters, one thing is for certain. We are all born with an eternal soul. The question on the floor today is this, though. 
where is your eternal soul going to spend eternity? Like the rapper Slick Rick said in 1988 in his hit song, Teenage Love, do you know where you're going to? Do you like the things that life is showing you? Where are you going to? Do you know? And you remember that song? Nobody remember Slick Rick? Okay, okay, all right, I was making sure. So Slick Rick might be a little bit before your time, but he asked a great question. Do you know where you're going? If you were to die today, can you say for certain that you would spend eternity in heaven with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Do you know what it means to be saved or born again? Now, if you don't know these answers, don't worry yet. And you, you need to worry, but don't be too scared yet. Uh, in fact, the guy we're going to look at today, Nicodemus, he was confused about that as well. Right. He had some questions about what it meant to be born again. Look at chapter three, verse one. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. That says a lot right there in that first verse. Man of the Pharisees. He was under the law. Had a lot of legalism with him. Uh, named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So he had some status. Right. He was up upper echelon, upper, upper echelon. I can't even say words. I shouldn't have even brought it up. I didn't write it down, <laughs> but that's his status. And so the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, because he was confused, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Ye must be born again. Frankly, I could go sit down right now because I could finish my sermon with that. Because Jesus just gave you the answer. You must be born again. Jesus didn't say you must be a Baptist. He didn't say you must be a Republican or you must be a Democrat. He said, you must be born again. See, we tend to make the simple things complicated. We tend to forget as Christians that people are searching for some real answers. Searching for anything that they can be a part of. Searching for questions that they may not know how to process. Billy Graham once told a funny story about a man that was searching uh, it was a drunk man in London that was under a streetlight looking for a wallet that he had lost. And somebody came by and said, did you lose your wallet? Do you need some help? Did you lose it here? He said, no, I lost it about a half block back. He said, well, why don't you look back there? The drunk man said, well, there's no streetlights back there. <laughs> so searching for meaning and purpose is important, but we've got to make sure that we're searching in the right places. Now, Nicodemus, the man we're just reading about, was a religious leader. And the Bible says that he was searching. Right. And he came by night. 
Verse two said he came by night. So obviously he was searching for some answers. And that's probably why he came by night. Maybe he was scared of the criticism his fellow Pharisees were going to give him. Or maybe he just wanted to speak in, in Jesus in, with Jesus in private. Or maybe that's the only time Jesus had to give him was at night. But Nick at night came because he had some questions for Jesus. Nicodemus was surprised and confused by the conversation. I mean, this is Nicodemus. His, the very name Nicodemus means conqueror or victory. Conqueror of the people. And knowing the backstory of some other folks in the Bible, we could understand if he said to Zacchaeus, you must be born again. Right. He was cheating people out of their money or the woman at the well that had five husbands or the thief on the cross who was guilty of all kind of things that said, Lord, remember me when I come into your kingdom or the woman that was taken into adultery. We can understand if Jesus told them ye must be born again. But to say it to Nicodemus surprised everybody because Nicodemus was a ruler. He was rich. He was very religious. And despite all his religion, he was still searching. So my first point for study today is this. It has never been about religion, but it's always been about relationship. Let the whole church say relationship. Look at Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness, not by your religion, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Revelation 3.20, we talk about relationship. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. That is fellowship. That is relationship. Jesus desires to have a relationship with you. Jesus desires to have a relationship with me. And God desires, God the Father desires for you to have a relationship with his son. Because if you're a Christian, God, when God sees you, he sees his son. Look further down, John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world, as crazy as this world is, he still loved it. There's not a person in this world that God does not love. Go through your list in your mind of who you think God don't love and erase that list. Right. Because he loves everybody. He loved them so much that he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever, not the people that you think should be saved. Right. That we have in our mind. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So the God of the universe Wants, to have a, wants you to have everlasting life. He requires you to have a relationship with his son on earth so that you can have an eternal relationship with him in heaven. So why did Jesus tell Nicodemus that he must be born again? Because Jesus could see in his heart. He could see that despite all his religion, all his religious experience, Despite all the rules, the fasting that Nicodemus was doing, despite being a Pharisee under the law, Jesus could see that he was searching for something more. He could see that he was searching for a relationship. So my question to you today is, are you here searching? Maybe you're here visiting 
or maybe you've been coming here for a while and you're trying to fill a void that's in your life. I met a young man that said he got saved recently a couple of weeks ago and he started coming to the church. And so there's people every week that are searching. Or maybe you grew up in a super religious household or a religion where you were judged on your good works or your sacraments, but you never truly experienced what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said you must have a personal experience with God. You can't rely on your religion to save you. You can't rely on your family to save you. Look, if you're here today and you're not saved, there's no doubt in my mind that somebody was praying for you to be here. That someone is praying for you to get saved. But salvation is a personal choice that you have to make on your own. And as much as I want it for you, I can't do it for you. You can't work for it. You can't buy it. Grace is that unmerited favor that comes from God because of his mercy. Because it's by grace that you are saved by faith, not of yourselves, not of works, not of your religion, but by grace. What do a lot of lost people say when you try to lead them to Christ? Uh, I don't know. I'm not quite ready yet. That's code word for I got a lot of sinning I want to keep doing. <laughs> right. So it's by grace that you're saved. So you might be asking yourself, so why do I need to be saved? I feel like I'm a good person. I'm not as bad as some people I know. I pay my taxes. I brush my teeth every day. Please keep doing those things. But that's a great question. Why do we need to be saved? And the answer is this. It's a three letter word called sin. Romans 5, 12. Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And we get mad at Adam. But if you was there in the garden, you would have done it, too. So we're born into it. Because of the infection of sin in this world, we are in need of a savior that can take your sins. Another rapper. I'm I'm a hip hop guy. The notorious B.I.G. said, I'm a born sinner, the opposite of a winner. Psalms puts it like this against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in the sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Born sinner. See, I didn't know Biggie was in the Bible. The Bible says in sin did my mother conceive me. I was born into iniquity because of that iniquity, because of all those sins of lying, cheating, hate, cruelty, racial tensions, political divisions. Because of all these sins, we find ourselves in the messed up condition that we're in today. And if you don't think this world is messed up, just take a look around. It seems like the world has lost its collective mind. In some cases, it's so crazy that I think we've gone completely numb to the craziness, completely numb to the violence. Putin's war in Ukraine, perhaps the most politically divided times since the Civil War. Inflation, gas prices through the roof, a literal drought in California so bad that Lake Mead is disappearing the largest water source for the West Coast. 
we're still dealing with the lingering effects of a global pandemic. Just seems like it won't go away. And just yesterday afternoon, people minding their own business at a grocery store, a guy filled with hate in his heart drives two hours and massacres at least 10 people. And you can't even get formula for your baby today. Reminds me of Luke where it says, <laughs> but woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon his people. Now, I'm not saying those days or these days, but these days are starting to look a lot like those days. All these things will have you asking yourself, what in the world is going on? And I could probably just take two words out of that sentence and change that question mark to a period and just simply state the world is going on. Right. The world is going to world. And maybe because of these things, you find yourself here today searching for some real answers. Because in essence, all those things boil down to. Sin. Is it at the heart of it is sin. Every single thing that we listed, every bit of craziness that's going on in this world today is sin. Jesus puts it like this. It comes down to the condition of the heart. He said those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile a person in our hearts. Brian Johnson gave an amazing sermon a few weeks ago on how the heart and body relate together. The actual physical anatomy relates to you spiritually. I had never heard that. And I thought that was brilliant. Matthew 15, 18 through 20. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the come forth from the heart and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murderers, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. Sin. We were born with that tendency to sin. When we get older, we make adult decisions to sin. So then we become sinners by choice. We practice sin. It's a disease that we're born with. And the whole world is infected. And you may live to be 100 years old, but without Christ, your spirit is void. Your soul is dead, dead towards God. And that's the reason you need forgiveness. And that's the reason you need justification before God. Did you know that if you give God your life today through his son, Jesus Christ, that he looks at you like one of his own sons? John 1, 12 through 13. But as many as received him to them, gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus came to give himself for you because he loved you. And when he died on that cross. He took all of your sins with him. Every filthy, dirty, rotten sin. Think about the worst sin you ever did. Jesus took that with him on the cross. Now, think about the worst sin everybody in here did. Jesus took that with him, too. Now, think about everybody that has ever lived, ever been born on the face of this earth. Billions, trillions of people. Think about their worst sins, not just their worst, even their Little white sins. He took all that on the cross for you and for me.
Romans five. But God commendeth his son, his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, he wasn't a sinner. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. That's the answer. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we, sh- we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sin. Can't make it no simpler than that. Because of sin, there's a radical change that needs to take place before you can get into heaven. Before you can be accepted by God. It's because of that sin that you need to be born again. So Nicodemus asked the question because he wanted to understand. He said, how can a man be born again when he's old? He said, can a man enter his womb and be born again? And they always say there's no dumb questions. But I have a hard time giving Nicodemus the uh, benefit of of the doubt on that one. Can he enter his mother's womb the second? What are you? I know Jesus wanted to say, dude, what are you talking about? But Jesus was cool. He, He understood. Nicodemus was confused. See, the problem was this. Nicodemus was looking for a physical answer to a spiritual question. Let me say that again, because I think I said something good right there. Nicodemus was looking for a spiritual, for a physical answer to a spiritual question. Jesus was speaking on spiritual things and Nick was thinking about the temporal, physical, here and now things that we always get bogged down with. He wasn't thinking eternally. He was thinking now. When Jesus said you must be born again, he didn't he didn't mean that you're going to have to be born again physically. He meant that you'd have to be born again spiritually. Look, you don't inherit salvation from your father and your mother. I mean, my boys inherited my good looks and my, my, my wife's brains, but they didn't inherit my salvation. Now, my wife may disagree with that. She might flip that around a little bit, but I digress. Um, The scripture says, John 3, 6, that which is born of the flesh is what? Flesh. That which is born of the spirit? Spirit. Look, I could be born on an airplane, but that don't make me a pilot. Just as you can be born in a Christian home, but that does not make you a Christian. There has to come a time in your life when you have to make your own adult decision to admit that you're a sinner for we all have sinned and fall short. You have to believe that God sent his son into the world, was dead, buried and, and resurrected. And you have to confess with your mouth. Romans 10, 9 through 10 spells it out. If you need one verse. To try to lead somebody to Christ, take this verse that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. What? Thou shalt be saved. Ye must be saved. If you do this in verse nine, thou shalt be saved. 
Verse 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto what? Salvation. That's it. It's simple. I don't have a complicated sermon and a whole bunch of stories. It's just that simple. Salvation. And I tried to look it up and I couldn't. And maybe I was a lazy preacher. Couldn't find any other phrases in the Bible where Jesus says you must be. Somebody challenged me on that. Look it up. I could be wrong. But I think the only time that phrase occurs is when he said you must be born again. Which brings me to my second point for study today, which is this. Salvation is the heart of the gospel. Salvation is the heart of the gospel. The word gospel literally means good news. And the good news is this. Jesus died for your sins and paid your price so that you might inherit eternal life. But you have to be willing to receive that free gift. Receiving that gift of Christ's death and substitution for your sin is what we call salvation. If I were to take $100 out of my pocket, which I don't have, and place it right here, I probably wouldn't have to convince too many people to come up and receive that free gift. But it seems like something so much more important, your eternal soul, where you're going to spend eternity, people wrestle with. They jostle over it. Jesus said it's a free gift. He already paid the price. Salvation is free, but it's not cheap. It costs our savior his life. It costs God his son. What are you waiting for? Let me see if I can open a phrase, open a window on that phrase. Good news. There was a young set of twins, a brother and a sister. The sister became really sick one day and needed a blood transfusion. And when the doctor came into the room, he explained to the family without the blood transfusion, the little girl may have died. But I've got good news. Her brother is a perfect match and we can start the transfusion right away. So everybody in the family was relieved by this good news, except for the little brother. His parents could tell that he was looking kind of apprehensive and kind of worried. And they thought, well, maybe he doesn't like getting a shot. Um, Maybe he doesn't like being poked with a needle. So the boy asked his parents, he said, so all I have to do is give my blood and my sister will live. His parents said, yep, it's really that easy. It may hurt a little bit to get like you're getting a shot, but it won't be that bad. The little boy smiled and said, "Okay, I'll do it. But only because I love my sister so much. He said, but can I ask a question first? His parents said, sure. What what do you ask your question? The little boy said, how long will it take for me to die? Will it be all at once? Or will I die over time? See, he didn't understand the process of a transfusion. He thought he was going to have to give all his blood for his sister to live. It wasn't until he had a proper understanding of the process that he, too, could celebrate the good news. And my friends, when you have a proper understanding of the process of the gospel, it's then that you, too, can celebrate the good news. Which brings me to my thesis statement for today, which is this. You will never know how good the gospel is until you experience it for yourself. Being born again means being born into God's family. In Ezekiel, it says a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit also will I put within you. In Romans, Paul speaks of it as being alive from the dead. 
In second Corinthians, he speaks of it as being a new creation. Old things have passed away. Peter says we have become partakers of the divine nature. And John calls it passing from death into life. As a result of your new birth, you have inherited God's divine nature and you now have eternal life. John six forty seven. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath eternal life. John three thirty six. He that believeth on the son hath everlasting life. First, John five, eleven through 13. And this is the record that God had given us. God had given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life and he that hath not the son hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the son of God. That's it. It's that simple. A, B, C. Accept the fact that you're a sinner. Right. Believe that God rose Jesus from the dead and see, confess your sins. That's how you get saved. That's how you know what it means to have eternal life. And like I said, God wants you to have a relationship with his son here on earth so that he can have eternal time with you in heaven. Now, we laugh at that little boy because he didn't understand the process. Right. He thought he was going to have to give all his blood for his sister to live. But I know somebody that understood the process. And he was still willing to give all his blood so that you could live. He was still willing to go up on that cross to take all of our sins so that you can have eternal life. Because when we talk about having a relationship with him, some some of our friends that we have relationships with, they're here and now and they're gone. Christ wants to have an eternal relationship with you. And in order for him to do that, you have to make that decision today. And so in closing, uh, many of you know that Pastor Sam Shockley went on to be with the Lord. And uh, I couldn't think of a better way to honor that man's legacy than to have him give the altar call in this video that we're going to see today. So it's a really short video. And then I'll come back up and pray and close this out. If there's someone out there who's watching this video at this time and you're wrestling with the fact of your uncertainty of whether or not you are in Christ so that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you're where I was at one time in my life, let me encourage you. You're there because God has brought you there. That's God's Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, saying, come to the Lord Jesus God is trying to draw you to his son. You, like me, deserve death. But Christ loved us so much that he came and he went through death in our place. And he promises us everlasting life if we will believe that. So today, if you're wrestling and uh, you're troubled in your heart and you're asking God the question, what is your definition of a Christian? Well, God will answer that for you in the scripture For by grace you can be saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So this is the message for you. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart and confess with your mouth that he is Lord of all, the Bible says that 
you can be saved or you will be saved. So I want to encourage you today. If you have questions, ask. Uh, and God has promised to answer your questions for you. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God under salvation to everyone that believes. So you can become a Christian today. You can be washed from your sin. You can be, you can be rescued from the power of sin through faith in Jesus Christ. And you can live the life in relationship with God that he intends for you to live uh, from the time you were conceived in the womb. So I urge you today to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved so good and I think Pastor Shockley said in two minutes what I was trying to say in 30 he did a much better job but that's that's it so let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray and, and after I pray the praise team will close us out but I really want you to ponder on those things especially if you have not yet given your life to Christ what are you waiting for none of us can look on a calendar and pick the day that we're going to die. But we all know it's coming. Are you going to be ready? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we love you today, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made, Lord, to send your only begotten son to die a death that he didn't have to die. But he did it because of us all he's asking us to do is to receive that free gift and Lord if there's anyone here today that's ready to make that change in their life to ready to accept the free gift of salvation ready to be born again I pray that you would convict them today 